got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading all the war. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah, cause when it rain, then it pours. Yeah, and I'm ready for some more. Yeah, and I've been reading. Hey, what's up, Kevin Hill? Not much, Jenna. How are you doing today? What's up, everyone at home in quarantine? Got you up here on the LinkedIn. Join you. Appreciate your comments, as always, for the shout-outs and everything. Yeah, definitely. Keep the comments coming in. We love questions that way. <laughs> A good interactive audience, as we yeah. talk about CRMs, you know? Mm-hmm. Spend your time talking to us and not typing into your CRM, right? Arguably more important than ever, the CRM visibility tools and your sales tech stack, which is why today... That's our topic, Kevin. It is. You know, it's, it's very important working from remotely, right? Yes. Remotely. <laughs> uh, working from home to, to make sure that everyone else knows what you're doing. Now, how many different CRMs do you have experience with? I, you know, Salesforce. I, I used to work uh, with one called Propeller, but yes. they, they closed down, so I don't have that anymore. Uh, what else? Sugar was one back in the day that, that looked like Salesforce. Uh, what else was there? I think that's really the only ones I really have really good knowledge about. You know, yes. Outreach, I, I've used a little bit. You know, kind of email kind of programs like HubSpot and things like that I have. But I don't know if I consider those CRMs or not. Do you? Yeah, not the little black book. Now, I've used uh, Zoho. Yeah. I've used Salesforce. I've oh, used Zoho. a homebrew yeah. one that was terrible, and um, <laughs> and I've used the old uh, Google Docs that someone in our survey, which we'll get to later, did answer. By the way, Reed Clement yes. says, let's go. Of course, Reed. And Patty said, Ola, let's do this. All right, you All know right. how we do it? We do it with a quote. That's how we do it. That's we how do. we start. And here's one for you. Just because you pour syrup on something doesn't make it pancakes. It's from Samuel L. Jackson's character Trip in the movie Juice. You know what? Who has more great quotes in movies than Samuel L. Jackson? He has a lot, like the one about the snakes. Yes, he does. Yes. There's another one, though, by Frederick Nietzsche. It's, there are no facts, only interpretations. This episode's called One Version of the Truth because, look, man, CRMs, they are a direct entry point for lies, right? They are. You can uh, put anything that you want into your CRM. Or, or nothing at all. It's all up to you. But, you know, it, it gets back to pipeline management. What's 50%? What's 75%? Yeah. I, I don't know. Everyone has their own definition of what's a 75% to close. What does that really even mean? You know, as Jamin always does, he, he's, he's the sage one in our comment sections yes. whenever we post one of these topics. And he shed some insight on why I think a lot of sales reps put bogus information inside their CRM. And he said, this is a super fun and passionate topic to me. In a perfect world, a CRM can do awesome things and really be used to supplement and support a sales rep. But this is a huge but. Too many managers think a CRM is a management-only tool and treat as a task manager. And I've seen this happen all the time, and I've come into companies where my job was to clean up the CRM. And you could tell when they were managed that way. It was, it was just a number of keystrokes that managers were looking for and sales reps were just trying to fill in KPIs. Yeah, definitely. You, you, you can tell because just the bare minimum is inputted in and you move it through your pipeline or move it through the process. And that's all you really have. You don't really have any intelligence. So, so basically, if, if someone else goes back or if you go back like three months later, you have no idea what the history is anymore because there's really no information. But you, you click save. 
Yeah. Right? You just kept clicking save with one sentence or two sentences, and, and that was it. Did someone just walk past? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Is that a ghost? I don't know. This seems to be happening more and more often. Um, <laughs> the, uh, well, Michael Vincent isn't here to walk through the cameras yet. I know. I thought he was doing it in honor of our is. guest today, George Abernathy. <laughs> yes. uh, Chris Ulrich says, great topic, guys. Looking forward to this one. Hey, so some of the most important terms you're going to need to know when talking about a CRM and probably maybe the the most important are contact, lead, deal, company, and source, right? Activity yes. as well. Activity as well. Deal stage. Deal stage. Pipeline. You know, I, I, you know a synopsis of a conversation. Yes. Inside one of those, I guess, right? But, you know, as far as the stages... Who knows? I mean, but those are the most important ones, right? I, I've seen people try to put 20 different stages in the pipeline. I'm with you on that. And we'll you know, talk a little bit about modeling the journey that your own rep can do so that you are almost forcing their hand to do to do that when they bring a client on that journey. Mm -hmm. The problem is a lot, of, a lot of CRMs aren't customized, right? You'll go in and there'll be, there'll be contact, but then there'll also be name and there'll be lead and there'll be deal. And as you mentioned in pipeline, there'll be way too many stages. You need to customize your CRM and, and remove all of the fat. Take out all the fat from your CRM. That's, that's, that should be one of your first goals during this entire crisis is to make your CRM nice. Yeah, make it streamlined. You know, cut the fat out of it. If you make it like, like anything else in life, if you make it too complicated, then the usability of it drops dramatically. And, you know, sometimes that's complex because over a stage of years, Someone's had an idea, and they're like, oh, let's throw this stage in there. And it just never comes out. Yeah. And then, you know, people who show up a year or two years after this decision was made one day walk in, they're like, this makes no sense to me whatsoever. Or you take over a rep's accounts who just leave, have like their notes for every account is just like left voicemail, left yes. voicemail, yes. or left business card, left business card, like the most, I, the most know, passive rep ever. It, it took me years and running my own company to really appreciate how well you have to write notes and how valuable those notes are, like synopsis of conversations from people that uh, you haven't talked to in a year. You know, it's a really good refresher. People that are selling for you, kind of their conversations, because if they say, oh, I called them, you know. What does that mean? I did a demo. It's like, well, that's great. What was the demo? I mean, what were your thoughts about the demo? What were yeah. the questions? What were the buying questions? What TMS were they using? What CRM were they using? What what integrations were they looking for? I I, I don't know. I'm going April Hall says that her CRM gives again. her a migraine. <laughs> I, I, if she's the admin on it, I imagine it could be. And, and yes. one of the reasons I think that CRMs do and people have negative experiences is they come into a company, they're told to use Salesforce or whatever it may be. They have not customized it, so there's a lot of fat in there. And they mm -hmm. come and take over accounts from a rep who just put a lot of that batch work in there, left a voicemail, left a card. And it doesn't give a rep much to work on, nor does it show them much guidance on how to model how they should be filling out the CRM. Well, this is what the last guy did. I know, right? This is what the last guy did, so I'll just do what he does, I suppose. Uh, but but basically, if and it seems like busy work, right? I mean, it does. It's the last thing any salesperson wants to do is input things in the CRM to a customer relationship management tool, uh, whether it's Salesforce or anything. But it really does help. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps so much to keep yourself organized, and also basically. Uh, guides you in your next conversation, especially on, on closed loss or, or leads that, that are cold leads, kind of, that, that you haven't really talked to in a while. Uh, it really helps you out. But then again, if you're a salesperson, maybe the last thing in your mind is, uh, you know, helping out the person who's going to replace you. 
Sure. That when you leave, right? I mean, well, that's where management matter? comes in, though, and you have to impose those standards. So you have mm-hmm. to make sure people are using the tool the right way. And the reason why I read what Jamin had posted under under your topic was because I think that in organizations and ones that I've been in where the CRMs become the most messed up is when they do that sort of batch busy work. So you're, you know your manager doesn't check the KPIs in the system until Friday evenings, right? So then you get a bunch of reps who just sit around all day Friday. They don't go out. They don't go out on any sales calls. And they just put as much junk information in there. And then uh-huh. because they have to put in 50 calls, you get a lot of left VMs. Oh, yes. Yeah, you definitely. Left VM, left VM. I spoke with them. Spoke with, what does that even mean? You, you spoke with somebody. What kind of information yeah. does that convey to yourself a week later or to your manager or to the organization as a, as a whole? And that's what Chris Jolly says here. He says, a generic CRM entries are a reflection of leadership. And I would agree completely. If nobody's telling your team to stop doing that, people are going to continue doing that. And that does come down to some eye-level manager who is running those reports and who is seeing what reps are putting in there. What are they looking at, though? Exactly right. Are they looking at good information or bad information? I used to have to pull teeth to to get people to, to insert really good information. Yeah. And when I was a sales rep, I had managers who had to pull teeth from me to, to put in really good information, right? So I, I've been on both sides of that. And, and yeah, you, you, you just have to have really good information in it. That's all I can really say. Chris Seeds, director of sales at Bridge Logistics, Inc., he said more than ever they've been sending out content through their CRM to educate and inform their current customers and prospects by providing value-added resources like sonar data, infographics, news articles, and blogs. The more information they share as a collective group, the more uh, the more untied that they become. We're not interested in just going through this pandemic. We're going to go through it in one way or another. So not only is he using the mm-hmm. tool appropriately, he's not just using it as a managerial uh, yeah. data repository. He's actually using a lot of the newer functionality. That, and I say newer, and just in this, it's only newer to a lot of people because they haven't used it. But mm-hmm. CRMs for the past five years or so have really started to integrate a number of different services that are starting to blend together a lot of these different sales tech stacks. Yeah, you know, I mean, basically, exactly what you said, like five, ten years ago. And first of all, that it's great that they're sending out sonar information. Oh, sure. To, to their, their clients. I mean, it's great that this is great data points to, to to keep in contact with your leads. But you know, five years ago, a lot of marketing departments didn't even look at Salesforce, right? So they had their their marketing list and their leads over here, and you had your CRM for the sales team over here, and no one communicated. So basically, you have all these leads that aren't being marketed to because they're not in the marketing bucket. And, you know, a lot of CRMs over the last five years, especially, have kind of blended that together to, a, to where it's all in one. It's yeah. one ecosystem. You bring up a great point there, too, about how the, the silos that happen within companies and a lot of teams to this day still face this where marketing and sales are treated as two completely different entities and they're not using the CRM and they're not feeding into that same data lake. Yeah, exactly right. So, so basically, you can't really do tailored marketing because you're not communicating, you know, basically with the, your CRM. Uh, so you're leaving a lot of cash on the table, really. Stephen Elliott, he wrote, I filled out the survey. Unfortunately, I already lost his job due to the COVID-19 situation. He was using his CRM religiously. It helped him to follow up and keep relationships warm. It was a difficult market for a three-month-old account ex- executive. I'm hoping when it turns around. I can return to work. And hey, Stephen, you know, no, no road venture, no road untraveled. And, and the work and the ethic you put in there mm-hmm. is going to serve you well doing sales when you do 
land on your feet. Land on your your next opportunity. Yeah, definitely. It's life is a learning process, and, and basically, if if you're that. If you're that meticulous about your, your CRM in one firm, it'll, it'll bleed over to your, your next opportunity in life. Now, let's say you have the luxury of joining a company and you get to, because I, I had this luxury once. It was a pain in the butt, but I was glad I got a to luxury. do it. luxury. I was able to switch CRMs and integrate the marketing and the sales together, which was great because the CRM they were using was sort of, it was filled in each time by however the rep felt like doing it, right? There was mm-hmm. no customization or anything. So all the information in there, you didn't know what was relevant. You didn't know what was what was dead. And you take more time just trying to maintain the thing than just pulling it all out, you know, putting it in back into Excel spreadsheets, and then setting all the bad information on fire. And that's a luxury. It, you, know, you have the luxury. It's a yes. great learning process, right? Because you have to take everything apart and put it back together again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's that would that, be quite a project. It is, but I, I think it's important. And if you can't do that and you don't have the luxury, one of the first things you need to do for CRM best practices are just to onboard your salespeople, right? To get them to buy into why it's important to report their information into the system and that it isn't just that tool to put the number of calls you made into. Yeah, I think that is something that a lot of companies ignore, right? You know, that they'll train you on how to do it and what you need to do, but not the why. Yes. Right, and the why is is very important. It's the book that we're going to give out. Start with your why this week, right? Uh, but but if you if your sales team can understand why it's important and they all buy into that why it is important, it's much easier to, to get them to do what you want to do and how you want it done. Nicole Glenn, she's the owner of Candor Expedite. She says, CRMs are supposed to be a tool for the rep, not to micromanage the sales rep. As a company owner, sales manager, I can see which reps really want to create a successful path for themselves. I also use writing templates so our company messages is consistent with areas where the reps can plug in their personality to the message. And hey, that's very helpful too, especially when you're recruiting younger college-age kids, mm-hmm. kids who are just out of college, especially in an industry like ours, Freight, where when they come in, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all very abstract. They're not really going to have any idea what they're talking about when they're trying to sell someone a load. No, they're, they're not. And, and being able to log in and document everything that you're doing into a CRM will help that, that learning curve, right? Yeah. It'll make it more tangible and instead of the abstract, you know, be able to, to track your own individual prog- progress and what people are telling you, writing that down, putting it in, being able to go back and review it and see the, uh, the patterns and the conversations that, that you're going to have. And part of those patterns are, as we mentioned, the customization is setting up that journey so that your rep, especially the newer ones, are carrying, like she mentioned with the templates. You want to create a template for your salespeople. Allow them to have mm-hmm. their personality, but have some methodology baked into the whole thing, right? There has to be a process. It doesn't matter if you're, you're, selling, if you're selling loads of freight or if you're, uh, you're bringing in rugs from overseas, mm-hmm. if you're making medical masks for COVID-19, or you're even doing a show. You need to have a process so people can plug into it. You, you definitely do, and, and basically you, you have to have that that pipeline or the, those those stages. Yes, and basically what you put into each of those stages, and and how do you quantify that, right? Because we've all seen that the fifty percent, the seventy five percent, the eighty percent, the almost close, and basically have have a you know a template or a guide to this is what it means. And part of that is learning the tribal knowledge that you have from within your company. What, it, what are your most successful reps leading them on that journey to be? Like, say you're, you're selling SaaS, for example. Your pipeline may so, look something like connect, qualify, demo, and then close, right? Yeah. Yeah, those are the, the simple ones uh, to, to do, right? You know, basically keep it simple. 
keep it simple. People will be able to, to, to follow that a little bit more. And, and certainly just for your own benefit, man, when you have 20, 20 opportunities jumping yeah. around, I can't keep track of them in my own mind. And it wasn't until I really got serious about CRMs and documenting everything and keeping track of my own work that I really progress in sales. Yeah. That I could really just methodology, I could predict how many sales I was going to get a month just by looking at my CRM because I kept such good notes. Javen said CRM should be part of the customer experience. That's very interesting. I think it can be. It should be invisible to them. Yeah. But it can be, especially if you're sending out those, those sonar data or you start integrating your mailing list yeah, and you start integrating your, your sales tech stack into the CRM. And that, that should be the main brain, right? That should be the action point and the collection point. It, it should. And another, another way to do that is if multiple people are handling that account, having everything documented, all the conversations, interactions, all the issues all the wins documented down it's a better customer experience whenever you're live contact with with any any number of different account reps or a manager uh but yeah certainly you know be able to send better content out better content like freight waves and sonar data sure and basically you know showing your customers that you're on top of the market i think part of the reason why reps get so overwhelmed when they first go into CRM is, I mean, especially Salesforce. Salesforce is amazing CRM, industry oh, yeah. standard, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot to it. There's a lot of meat on those bones. Companies have their own developers on staff to model Salesforce in the, uh, it, in the appropriate way for the customer. Yeah, take it out of the box, right? And yeah. you have engineers that tailor that to your specific business. And basically, I think a lot of like freight brokers just don't actually do that. They, they use just a standard CRM system that doesn't really translate sometimes into freight sales because yeah. it's very transactional, very it's relationship-based, but it, it, it's very reoccurring loads every single day. And keeping track of that out of the, in and out of the box like Zoho or, or Salesforce or HubSpot is, is sometimes those 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 different stages don't really make sense. Yeah, just to summarize all of that, I mean, really pick out a CRM that works well for your organization, one that you can customize to your to your reps' needs, to mm-hmm. your needs, your organization needs. Create an environment for them that leads them on that sales journey and that pipeline journey and remove, put in the questions you want them to ask and remove the ones that you don't need there. Optimize all that stuff first because then when you do, it opens up the door for these sales tech stacks, right? Where you can bring yes. in all these lead nurturing tools, your mailing list, and integrate that with one, within one system. It definitely right. All those nurturing tools, because both of us, we love email lists, right? Yeah. We love email lists. And there's no reason why your email list should live separately from, from your CRM, man. I, I, I know that the marketing department should be hitting your leads. And basically, if you have a, a big enough lead pool yourself, you should be doing your own email marketing. Just reading, too, that when we were talking about the sales tech stack, I was looking at what was out there and what was good on the market. And one of the things that I, one of the things that was listed was engagement. It says it makes it possible, and I love this quote, uh-huh. to humanize sales at scale. Now, engagement, like in that. something like this, where we get comments from people watching the show, right? Mm-hmm. We get engagement, and we're able to do that at scale instead of having conversations with a bunch of different people. Or they can take this podcast and train their sales reps Exactly at right. Scale. 
at, at scale. And there's some really great tech stack in here. And the stuff that I use, Calendly. I've used Calendly for years. It, it's oh, great. for meeting scheduling, right? Yeah, it just makes it so much simpler, right? Because usually you're going to go back and forth trying to pick out a time with someone four or five oh, times, yeah. and it could extend to, to a day or more. Just click on this link, go to my calendar. You can see all my open slots. Book your time. I think we've all it lost meetings. Your prospect and people have lost meetings with us because of that that tango that tag oh, that yeah. you're playing to try and set the meeting up. It just it just gets frustrating if, I, if after does. three times in a row that none of the dates work yeah, out. Yeah, does ten o'clock work for you? Oh no, I have to go look at my calendar and see if it does. And then you just go back and forth, and, and I've lost a lot of meetings because of that. But if you can just click on the link, you know, here it is, or shoot over the link. If they're like, hey, what, what time works for you? I just shoot them over my calendar link. DocuSign's another huge one. Oh, huge. Because nobody has printers anymore either, oh. and especially with everybody working from home during this crisis, I imagine the less you have to print out, the better. I know I haven't had a printer in my house for years. I, I haven't either, so, you know, so basically you have printing, which is the easiest option uh, of, of any of the others, right? Yeah. Because then you have to scan and email, which takes forever. I, I, my scanner always breaks. My printer are, always breaks. And then the third and m the worst option ever are faxes. You know, people are still faxing things around. You yeah. know, I know brokerages and, and carriers still, we, we, we did a lot of faxing back and forth of signatures. But DocuSign, you can do it right there. It now, just speeds up the process. For your emails, do you use uh, do you use the same thing you're using to send out your mailing list through, or do you do you run a different do you run your email campaign through a different software? A different software. So I, I use Mailchimp for people who've opted into my marketing yeah. emails, right? And if you don't, if, if you try to put cold leads into a Mailchimp or a Constant Contact or or another one of those softwares, you're going to get kicked out. Oh yeah, in a, within a day. You got to use like Zero Bounce or whatever to verify uh, those email addresses. I mean, even then. Then, if they suspect it's spam or cold leads, they're yeah. going to kick you out. So I've, I've done both. Of, you know, I've, I've gotten an <laughs> account closed down in Mailchimp before. Uh, it, it happens. And um, but there's some really good cold email software. But the one that I really liked, I used. He just couldn't scale up his business and had to close it down, which is which is sad. But there's outreach. There's there's other things that, that you can do. And I, I've been kind of shopping around for that in the last. Um, Last few weeks, and, and basically, I, sh I should come up with a post and, and maybe maybe do a show exclusively on the, the different software programs. And I think that that's fascinating because when we when we look at all these, so we're saying, great, there's all these new add-on softwares and things mm -hmm. you can bring in to enhance your sales efforts. But having so many options and so many that do one thing really well but may not do a lot of other things well, then that all comes down to integration. Like you mentioned MailChimp. MailChimp is amazing for sending out mailing lists but not great at doing drip campaigns with. No, not, not at all. Not, not at all. Especially cold leads, right? So, so cold leads, you want whatever email software you use, you want it to come from your servers and not a third-party server because you're going to get a lot of non-deliverables on that third-party server. But if it can come out and, and basically Gmail, if you use Gmail as your, your email client or your, your email source, your domain, uh, then there's really good integrations with, with certain, certain email, cold email type of software that comes directly from your Gmail server. So you can really do highly personalized, you know, mail merge type of type of options and, and basically mail merging is a really good uh, solution if you're using Microsoft Outlook, but it's horrible for drip campaigns. 
Martin Mayotte says, arriving a little late to the conversation, but do you have any sample policies that drivers are implementing during COVID-19? Something that puts staff and clients' mind at ease. The reason I ask is I think it's a great selling point many organizations are not utilizing. And from whom I talked I talk to, maybe it's been different for you, yeah. but the drivers I've spoke with, it's basically been up to the receiver. So when they yes. are as a receiver's doc, whatever policies they have in place, that's what the driver has to adhere to. Yeah, so, so basically there's a lot of uh, questionnaire forms. Uh, I, I think I, I keep hearing that, that some drivers are asked to, to take their temperature before yeah. they, they can enter receivers. But yeah, it's all A lot of temperature to, taking, locked bathrooms, and um, we've been hearing a lot about digital check-in. Yeah, a lot of digital check-in, which is a, a great technology, basically based on, on DocuSign. Yeah. Right, that, that helps you out with that. Uh, but that's what we've been hearing from the road. Great. Hey, and you know who's with us? George Abernathy. He, is, he yes. is Skyping in from uh, the den of Abernathy. Yes. In, in <laughs> Udawa, I think. There he right? is. Hey, looking good, George. Thank you, boys. Den of something. Be careful, Dooner. Watch out there, man. <laughs> hey, someone walked in front of a camera this episode, and I think it might be a, a George Abernathy <laughs> tradition now. It wasn't Michael I'm, Vincent, though. I, I, I'm aware. I, I just let you guys deploy somebody outside right there just to do that as sort of a every time put that coffee down is on. It's a designated uh, role. <laughs> it, it is. So we have to have at least one person walking walking in front of our cameras each episode. So, George, tell the uh, tell the daters a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm the proud president of Freightways. Uh, been here for about two and a half years. I've uh, had a career uh, in both sales and operations um, in the world of transportation, uh, preponderantly back to. Uh, loading cereal onto trucks back when I was in high school and college. Um, fell in love with watching a person take my traffic manager out to lunch every day. There was a different, tended to be a male that was well-dressed, and it turned out to be a freight salesperson. So that was the uh, that was the germination of my love for freight and for freight sales. And I've been lucky enough to be around freight, transportation, supply chain, um, the my entire career. Asset and non-asset was at J.B. Hunt very early in my career, and uh, I was uh, over at TransPlace, a really large, highly technology-enabled uh, 3PL, 4PL for about 12 years. Last six of it, I was president, and like I said, been here at Freightways helping to move the needle forward. I think I was an employee 20-ish or so back in uh, late November of 2017. And as you guys will know, we're upwards of 140, 150-ish right now. Nice. So one of the reasons we had you come on is that you emailed us after the last show and said, you know what, you guys really need to do a topic on CRMs and sales tech stacks. And we said, you know what, those are more important than ever now that people are working from home and need to yeah. have that level of communication with managers. So why was this topic passionate to you, though? And why did you want to come on and talk about it? Well, the, the uh, Dooner Dooner, the, um, and those, only those of us who are really close friends are allowed to call him Dooner Dooner. Um, <laughs> uh, the work from home piece is critically important right now. Um, and uh, personally, um, you know, I go back a ways in the industry and, and was an early adopter around well, what be what would be called software as a service now, but would have been called you know on demand uh, for a while. Um, you know, so my interest level. There's never been a time like now. Never, not 9/11. Never a time like now where uh, the ability to do what we do 
in providing our employees within not just the sales team, but across the uh, the enterprise within the organization, visibility to everything that's going on through the software as a, as a service product in 20 plus years of using these type of products. I, um, I've i got a hat somewhere. Uh, I may not have as many hats as, as Dooner Dooner does, but um, I've got a lot of hats in my house here. And somewhere in there, there's a baseball cap that says sales net on it. And uh, you have to be around for a while to know that SalesNet, I heard you guys talking about some of the other products that you use. SalesNet was Salesforce before Salesforce was Salesforce. But it didn't have, um, it had a lot of great bells and whistles, but it didn't get the adoption. It didn't have the marketing to get the adoption rate up. And Salesforce ended up eating it for lunch and SalesNet went uh, by the wayside. And I've been through probably four different enterprises over the last 20, 25 years using a software as a service CRM or Salesforce automation tool, even before Salesforce was ubiquitous for that, that phraseology. And right now, the utilization and having an organization like we have at FreightWaves that has already adopted within sales, within marketing, within so many elements of our company, the utilization of this CRM the way that we do has yielded extraordinary benefits for us um, with what's going on uh, around COVID-19. By the way, George, let your guys know that Dan Coop, he's the chief executive officer at ITG Transportation Services, said that he was so interested in this topic that he forgot he had scheduled a meeting with two folks from our sales team. This is his public <laughs> apology to them and his proof that he wasn't lying. So bringing people together with that, uh, that integration. And Michael Caney says that's awesome. There's only one way for that apology to be properly manifested, and that's for him to buy something. So I will take that as a buy signal as far as I'm concerned. All right, we'll have him reach back out. So, George, we're talking about CRM. So how important is the CRM that you choose? Because we put a survey out, and more than 35% said Salesforce. Then you had Zoho and HubSpot that were Mm -hmm. about 20%, 15%. Then you had anything from pre-made Google Docs CRM, which sounds really janky, to to, to homemade, (laughs) to MS Excel, to email. It was all over the place. But how important is which CRM you pick? Well... It it depends on how big you are. You know, you don't want to, you know, over-engineer a solution. There's perfectly reasonable tasks that can be well accomplished using Google Documents. There's perfectly reasonable tasks that can be Microsoft Excel. But once you get to, and I don't know where that tipping point is, but the beauty of software as a service is I think the tipping point from, from installed software has moved much closer to a smaller number. Um Salesforce um, and the, the, the CRMs delivered via the internet um, are proving out right now that they have a connectivity and an ability, again, outside your organization, but inside too. Um, we've done a great job, and you, you use some, um, you know, you talk about HubSpot and others. Um, you don't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, our center. We like to say the one version of truth uh, is what's in Salesforce. If it's not in Salesforce, it didn't happen. That helps you when you're trying to pay commissions accurately and you're trying to do things productively so that you can minimize the number of keystrokes, all the things you guys were talking about. Um, but there are great ways now to bolt these, um, the, these solutions together. So in our tech stack, 
for lack of a better way to describe it. We've got not only Salesforce, but we use Ambition um, as a fabulous tool to um, help gamify uh, the sales thing. I mean, it gets to a point, you guys talk a lot about it. You, you've got to motivate yourself every day to bring it if you're trying to be a successful salesperson. And by gamifying and having there be those you know, incremental targets that you're trying to hit um, are, are, are certainly a way. Ambition helps us in training. And otherwise, we use Gong um, to uh, be able to train during the time frame when our salespeople are on the phone with a prospect or to listen to what they did afterwards and, and train them. We also, um, you guys are talking about DocuSign. Um, uh, we, we use DocuSign. Um, I, I have a printer, but I can't remember the last time something printed coming out of it. Um, the, but you know, to use the example of how all of these, these come together and how you can make what you're trying to do and what Put That Coffee Down is trying to do is make successful salespeople is they need to have more productivity. You gotta put more at the top of the funnel, you gotta be able to process more, which is gonna end up yielding more to the bottom of the funnel, which is gonna yield more sales for your company, which is gonna yield more commission in my pocket, which is what we're trying to accomplish. Um, I went to Paris on a family vacation uh, June of last year, and um, while there, using the Salesforce app, um, which is we have integrated with DocuSign, I processed in seven days 23 contracts while either riding on the train into Paris or being in a car. Uh, not driving while we were in the Champagne region. <laughs> so see, George, that, how many times did your your family hit you during this vacation where you couldn't pry yourself away from the the smartphone? No, but, but see, that's the beauty of it, Dooner. I'm Dooner Dooner. I'm I'm in a train. I got nothing else to do. So that's when I'm. That's when we're, you're doing it. That's the beauty of having this right now. And that was a precursor for me to understanding what working from home or working remotely really was was going to be. Um, uh, we've had a very successful quarter in Q1 at Freightways in the legs of our stool. The, the circumstances going on, data, information, the things that we have are being you know, consumed in a vigorous way by a number of current customers and a, and a number of new customers. And we, you know, you, you take no solace with the, the horrible things that are going on, but what we have put out there is being consumed, and we're thrilled that we can bring that kind of that kind of value out there. And the volume and the velocity of the things that we're able to process and get out there more quickly is enhanced by what we do through using uh, using the CRM. Um, the, 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 you know, I, I do want to, you know, say, you know, Kevin, I, I, I really appreciate what, what you had said. Um, the personalization of those outreaches, you know, we're talking about automation. We're talking about, you know, driving productivity and driving more throughput, all that. But the personalization element can't be lost. You know, sales is art and science. And I'm pleased to say that I've done a lot of both in, in my career. And the volume that you can now flow through is unlike ever using the right kinds of tools, the right kinds of CRM uh, tools. But you, if you over-science it, 
you're going to you're going to lose the arc. And and Kevin, I think your your point around personalization, we track it a ton uh, with all of the out outgoing uh, um, touch points that we have at FreightWaves. We make sure if you know we are making sure that there's a personalization, there's a responsible party that appears to be coming from this, whether it be a market expert, whether it be a salesperson, whether it be someone from the marketing team. We we do that personalization, do it purposefully, so that um, it's it's clear that you know this may be technology that's helping to deliver this to you, and it's delivering it to a broad group, but you're you're doing so with a human being attached to it. Thank you, George. Yeah, it is. It is definitely an art to be able to do mass email or mass communication and still keep that personalized touch uh, to it. On on so when individual sales reps. So basically, what's mm-hmm. your selling point for individual sales reps of why being really good at CRM and being really good at documenting? will help them personally make more sales. Yeah, and it's not just labor, right? Because we hear from so yeah. many people, it's just busy yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. How do, uh, you know, what's well, your real selling point on that? To- to- totally agree with it, guys. I mean, from, you know, from going in, you know, this has to be looked at that you're not using a CRM simply to, well, I did my X amount. You know, within Ambition, mm-hmm. we get at a an activity score per day for resources not only in sales, but in customer success and otherwise. But we don't let the tail wag the dog, okay? You can hit 100 happens to be the the goal that is set based on the weighting of all the different activities that uh, our resources have. But hitting 100 isn't the way that the company grows and isn't the way that they get paid commission. That's simply a reflection of those tasks that we believe are gonna build to selling or upselling or you know and growing growing what we're doing so you can't let the tail wag the dog you can't say i did my i did my x number of calls today i did my x number of keystrokes i sent my x number of emails i'm good i'm done i got a, an ambition score of 120 did you sell anything today yeah okay <laughs> your job is not done okay that 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 measuring is fabulous particularly great um, at a company like ours where we are bringing in people from the outside. You guys talked about that, bringing in new salespeople. You know, you got to you gotta put some amount of, you know, of, of, of fuel in there to start, you know, start the fire and then end up, you know, having something get delivered from a sales standpoint. So that's great. We can see the activity, but the activity for the activity's sake is useless, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll take an activity score of 80 and somebody who's selling three x of their uh, of their quota all day, and every, but I will say, they're not going to sell three x of their quota if they don't have an activity score that is somewhere near that target that we've set for them. We that was our next question was how often do you log inaccurate activity in your projections in your CRM to mislead management to mislead guys like you George sixty yeah. percent you'll be happy <laughs> said never those people are liars less than twenty percent of the time was fifty for was forty percent uh, always was five percent that was Kevin Hill and seventy five percent to ninety nine percent was was about seven percent what do you make of that though. Is that just salespeople protecting themselves, well, being lazy? It's crazy because the next question after that is, like, if you do miss, you know. Oh, does this math out? Yeah, yeah. If you have done this, you know, what stage in the pipeline have you have you misrepresented your, your, oh, yeah. your, your, your information? You and, yeah. 
And those answers, you know, the same is people who a, answered never said, oh, yeah, yeah cool you, calls. You want to please I, I rate how, how accurate and up-to-date you keep your sales activity, yeah. and, and which is kind of rephrasing the question, and we do this in surveys sometimes to catch people, in lies. Right. And 60% <laughs> said above average. The same yeah. amount that said that they, were, they never put anything wrong in the CRM. <laughs> well... Um, just so you know, one of the people who's never lied and one of the people you're not going to catch with your second question was me because I took your survey. And um, I, I genuinely believe that um, the, um, most sales folks are, you know, are honest and are not purely um, um, gamifying or gaming the system. The thing that you know, will end up catching you is go ahead and game the system. The beauty of what we've been able to put in now, you've got to train people properly. You've got to give them time to be able to build their pipeline. You, you, you know, you could look at an ambition score and say, well, it's two weeks in. They're really not seem to get it. Okay. You know, back off. Let's, let's, you know, give them time to, to be able to grow into what they have the ability to grow into. But, Go ahead. I mean, you know, if you try to game the system, you're going to get caught. So as I said before, the tail can't wag the dog. The successful salesperson, and, and the really important thing, guys, is the CRM is intended to be able to let finance know what they should be expecting. You know, everyone, every part of the organization, what, you know, when customer success, the people who are going to have to implement and then maintain and try to upsell and provide greater value, they need to know What's coming down the pike? When I look in there, can I trust the information that's in there? If we're finding that someone's being untrustworthy and, and cooking the numbers, they're, they're not going to work for us very long. And we're very quickly able to see that the, the amount of activity that you're doing, the right kind of activity between your calls, between your emails, with us being able to listen to your calls and help you, not listen to say, okay, did you really talk about the product or were you talking about how the weather was? We're helping people be successful, and that's why the, um, the implementation of a, a, a process that is utilizing a salesforce.com or whatever the tools are is intended to make that salesperson successful. It's not to make you know, my job easier. Or, no, it's to make that salesperson successful because when they're successful, that's when my job gets easier. If we have a group of salespeople that are selling, we have a group of customer success people that are upselling and enhancing, taking value and delivering it to customers, that's what makes my job easier. My job's not easier if they make 10,000 calls. My job's easier if they hit their quotas. And my job's easier because then they're hitting their quotas. They're getting great commission checks. They're getting um, they're getting the you know, delivered on the expectations that they had when they came in, and that means we're not going to have to go try to figure out how to replace. You know, and I will say we've we've really hit our stride around the um, the the sales resources across the board. Um, we had, I think, we had something like sixty four um, um, sales of our software as a service product that cut across the board of the entirety of the sales team. So, you know, they're not gaming the system. They're being successful because the system's serving them well. So, George, you're talking about quantity, you know, activity level. 
you know, and especially for companies out there that that don't have the uh, visibility of phone calls or recorded phone calls, uh, yeah. what do you define as quality of information that's inputted into CRM, especially on like discovery calls, demos? What, what do you consider? What do you consider really quality information that can inform the entire organization and really keep the, the salesperson prepared and organized themselves? Yeah, that, that that I think is is key, Kevin. And it's you know, I want the minimum amount of keystrokes possible, but I have to be able to inform all of the constituents who are using that information. Uh, you know, I am. Um, um, I think that the the you know calling it a CRM as opposed to you know a Salesforce automation tool the like is really talking about it being more of the ERP or that 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 information point that the entire company um, is utilizing. So specific um, to that, whether you're using whatever tool you're using, um, um, I, I, I'll take I'll take you back, guys, to show you just how long I've been around here. Um, Lotus Notes had a a uh, product um, inside of, of Lotus Notes called Client Log. It was nothing but a blank sheet of paper. But what we did was any customer interaction went in there, and any customer interaction, including I, I left I left a voicemail or this is what we talked about, and that was the first opportunity I ever saw that the company could have visibility to everything that went on. So my answer to your question, Kevin, is the more the better. Uh, you know, in, in in notes, and you'll see that in what we do. The from the very beginning of when you're interacting with the prospect, so that if you know I get a call, I can and I say, "Who is this from XYZ Corp?" I go in, I look, I can see what the activity level is, what the conversation was about, what the notes were. I can call them and sound like I'm a genius and know what's going on with them. That's what we're attempting to do while the sales process is going on. And then once the sales process is done, I don't want to have to have the finance group spend X amount of time downloading information. What are the what are the pieces of information I need to know? Who are the people I need to talk to? That's all in there. If we've done this correctly, everybody looks in there. As I, as I started with, there should be one version of the truth, should be that that's in Salesforce. And if it's not in Salesforce, it either didn't happen or hasn't happened. And because of that, you know, all kinds of, you know, ugly stuff happens. Productivity goes down. You have inconsistencies or inaccuracies when you're trying to invoice or, you know, pay commissions, all of those things. So more rather than less, but don't two things. Don't do it just just for the sake of doing it, just to keep yourself busy. Go, go do something else in that case. And, you know, the, the managers of the sales team, shouldn't be having them do it just to keep them busy. That that is that that's just obviously such a waste of time and it's not even worth talking about. Hey George Martin Mayote in the comments, he is sort of talking about something Kevin and I touched on before you dialed in. It's that hey, there's been a lot of evolution, a lot of changes in sales tech, all the way from stone tablets up to the cloud. You've seen many of them. He wants to know though, is there a true centralized solution out there that can streamline the process or is this just a pipe dream? My insight on that would be to start with your CRM, right, and build out with tools that can plug in. But George, you may know better. No, Duny, you you you've said it um, very well. And 
Um, what Salesforce has done, just think about the evolution of the business. Um, Salesforce constructed this rather remarkable, I don't know if how, whether you would define it as a mile wide and or a mile wide and just how deep or, but it, it was a really solid product doing Salesforce automation, right? The heck, the name of the company. Um, but then as they looked at what would be the other elements that would be either bolt on, be integrated to, or would be needed to make a an holistic solution that was more than just simply Salesforce automation, there needed to be more that they had to develop or more that they had to acquire and make part of their ecosystem, which they've done both. And I'm not here to do a commercial for Salesforce, but that that's really what you need to look at no matter who that center point is from an ERP. Should you then, when you're trying to determine, okay, now how am I going to do top of the funnel driving leads? How am I going to do gamification? How am I going to do training? How am I going to do all of these other supports? You have to consider, should I, should I buy what they've got in the, in the kit? Because it'll probably be an, you know, an add-on price from the base subscription. Or do I look outside? And in, in our case, we've, we've done both. We've expanded into what Salesforce has within their ecosystem. And then we've done some things where we thought there's other things that are better than what Salesforce can offer themselves. But it has the integration work. You don't have. We don't have to wait for, you know, any any amount of time for it to be capable of providing its value through, through Salesforce. So the the answer is, yeah, it's out there. There the uh, Nirvana exists. It it absolutely does exist. But to your point, uh, Dooner Dooner, you gotta start with whatever that central point is. That's what you have to believe in, and then all of the other aspects either get you know, grown organically from within that product or get bolted on. George, before we let you go, you mentioned gamification a lot. This is a newer thing, especially in 3PL sales. Do you have any advice on what teams out there can be using? Because I imagine gamification, especially now that we're all separated, is more important than ever because you don't get to go in the office, into the office and get that motivation from seeing your team or, or that fire lit under your ass. No, I told no, doing you're right on. And, uh, Within gamification, um, my two cents on that would be um, the hurdles have to be reasonable. You know, if I if I say to somebody, okay, we're going to have a contest now, and the contest is going to be set up for the next six months, and okay, that's that's a little too far out there. Do I do I know that I have an annual goal and all? But you got to make my, in my opinion, gamification being bite-sized enough chunks, consumable chunks. Um, that would that'd be the first thing. So um, I know that I my efforts now are going to yield me if I do right, and I'm I'm going to yield something within a reasonable time frame. The second thing I would say is, and it really has come out through the working from home, is assuming that you've got a Salesforce that's big enough, build teams, and those teams can either be, and really where I see this working out really well, can either be just within sales itself. So if you have 20 salespeople, two, two teams of 10, whatever the, whatever the math works for, that's great because you then have people who are, you know, when you're working from home, you've got some level of social interaction that's being fostered and spurred by, 
by those teams. But the other thing that's really cool and important about if you make the teams is try to, again, think about what I've said about Salesforce being the one version of the truth for the entire organization. Have there be teams in this gamification, people who are participating in those um, in those games or within the competitions, those team members are made up from different parts of the organization. So I got two salespeople, I got somebody from finance, I got somebody from uh, technology, I got somebody uh, from operations. So you, you've got that even fostering itself because as you guys know, where you're sitting right now, you usually you're looking out and over there's customer success and operations, over there's sales, over there's data science, there's finance. You know, you, you can you can bring the teams together. You can get that 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 feeling of not only camaraderie but teamwork and all rowing in the same direction by being together. But we're not together now, and thankfully, through a number of, of technologies, we can we can see one another. But fostering that through the gamification that will cut across the different teams has really really worked out well for us. Wow, George, thank you Very so good. much for your insight and for joining us on the show. We're glad, uh, glad you reached out and came on. Yeah, thanks, George. Hey guys, hey, guys, I really mean this bottom of my heart. Anytime. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll take you be up sure on to it. have you back. Hey, you know, George mentioned teams. You know who I'd take on my team, Kevin? I would take Reed Clements and oh, Ali Fazio because they are in this LinkedIn thread. And they're even communicating with, with friends and customers like Catherine Whitehouse from mm-hmm. Jones Express who said, Ali, it's great to Haley, it's great to see your smiling face. Very important content today. So you are more than welcome. Love bringing Very it good. together. And going off Martin's question, you know, all these different technologies, they don't communicate. A lot of times that's the evolution of your business, too, yeah. right? Is basically you buy what you need right now. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it works out to where you need something else in the future because you've outgrown that, but then you have this legacy. So it's you a big have selling point of Salesforce. And, exactly right. It's just it the, really the developer is. kit that goes into it. Now, it takes a little bit more um, – it, it, it's a little bit harder to work with, right? It takes a little bit mm-hmm. more handholding, but you know that if new tech comes out, the developers are going to build something on the back end. Yes, definitely. If you've ever put, so let's get back to the survey real quick. It said, if you ever yep. put dishonest projections into your CRM to mislead management, what areas have you? Uh, 50%, I've never logged inaccurate info, those liars. Uh, 40% said number of cold calls, and I imagine everybody, that's why I'm calling them liars, I, I know so everybody's too. at least put a few fake cold calls in there, and that's typically because you have management that either doesn't care or they have some unrealistic amount of calls you're supposed to make that just cannot be done. Yeah, or you just didn't do your calls, calls for the day, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's probably the number one reason, you just didn't do your calls for the yeah. day. It's like, well, I'll just, I'll just enter some in. We also asked how important has your sales tech stack become since working remotely? 60% said more important. No surprise there. 40% said same level of importance. And those are probably teams like George Abernathy's, exactly. Mike McKinney's, who have, we've already been working from the cloud. Yes. Even though the, coming in the office, we're still working from the cloud. At all oh, times. yes, everything we do is in the cloud. When he mentioned that Salesforce was like a software at some point, I completely forgot that it hasn't know, right? always been in the cloud. It just seems like... I don't know. It seems like things have always been that way. I know. It's, it's hard to even remember when things weren't in the cloud, right? Yeah. They were basically you downloaded this program onto your computer, and it ran. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It is weird. And you need, like, keys to unlock stuff. Uh, where do you see oh, – yeah. where do you think truckload volumes are headed in April 2020 compared to April 2019? Somewhat lower was at 45%. So still some positivity there, right? Still some, yeah. So, so basically somewhat so higher, lower is 30%. About one in five. <laughs> yeah, true. And about two-thirds think that they're going to be lower uh, going into to April compared to, to last April. So we will see. It's a crazy market right now. 
Let's get to one that we've asked every week since we've since everyone has been under quarantine. Yeah, and our third week. Our third it, week on this. It's the third week of this particular question, and it is, are you concerned you may lose your job due to lack of sales or an economic recession? The reason we wanted to track this was to gauge the sentiment, right? Take the yeah, temperature yeah, of the sentiment. Yeah. Each week, we last week, there was only a 4% difference, and you and I were like, well, I guess that could uh, be margin of error. Margin yes error. was 25%. It was 21% before mm-hmm. then. Uh, no was 57%. Not sure. Sure was 18%. Well, this flipped on its head this time. It did, yeah. 52% said yes, they are concerned about losing their job. And you know mm-hmm. what, man? When we work in the media here, FreightWaves.com, we go on and we see 350 people let go from, from Keep Trucking and, and mm-hmm. uh, this company and the other company, and we hear yep. rumors of other layoffs that are going to happen. You can see why the sentiment is really starting to shift as we start to settle into this new normal. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the first couple of weeks, you know, you don't know how long this is going to last. Is it a week or two? Then you yeah. get unemployment numbers. And, and basically, we just want to get the cinema of of you know the health of the the industry as we go forward working remotely and going through this uh, pandem- pandemic it's going to be nice when that goes back down it is yeah so we're going to draw for this week's book we got 29 names on here Put number one through 29. What book would that be? It is Start With Why. I don't have a copy of okay. it. I, I loaned it out to somebody. I think Andrew Cox has it. All right. Uh, and Andrew. Did, didn't bring it today. Is he over there? I don't know. It's all right. Uh, so, so Start With Why, Simon Sinek, very famous book, bestseller. All right. Who won it? Who won it? Let's do a roll here. It's number six yes. on this sheet. Number six is number six. Tyler Tyre Miller. Oh, very good. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to Tyler that Miller. person up we and get, will, uh, make sure they get we'll, their book. Yeah, we'll send you a DM on, on LinkedIn and get your address, and we'll send that out to you. Here's some shout. Oh, what's the new one? The, the new, the book new is. one. We have the new one is uh, making ads pay. So it's a really good business communication writing uh, book. We we're talking about you know cold emails and marketing emails earlier, which wraps in quite nicely with this. This is from John Caples. He's got an advertising award yeah. named after him. He was an advertiser writer in the 1920s. He's famous for his headlines, and if you go through the internet right now and all the clickbait that's out there, yeah. based on these same principles. That's another thing you and I talk about all the time is headline modeling, because we like to look exactly at analytics, right. yeah. and we look at yeah. which headlines have done better than other ones. We don't really go in for like the, the super clickbaity or political kind of things like that, but we're just no, curious we, we, what names, what, what keywords. Works, yeah. right? what? I think a close-ended question is, is golden right now. You know, Will this happen? Is something you know something with a yes or no that you can answer yes or no? We've been we've been getting better click rates on. And Patrick Murray says congratulations, Tyler. So it's Tyler Murray. And here's some shoutouts for you, Patrick Gusher, business development. He said, please add me to the weekly book drawing. You are ad great content today, guys. Pat Green said strategic he's strategic planning and business analyst for Buchanan Hauling and Rigging. He said I love to get ads to the book drawing. You were, sir. Great info and unprecedented times. Also, if anyone in the comment section right now wants to be added to the book drawing, just leave your name in here or reach out to Kevin Hill or myself, Timothy Dooner, D-O-O-N-E-R on LinkedIn, yes. or it's also Timothy Dooner on Twitter. More yeah, than happy to get connect. you in there. doesn't cost anything, right? Yeah, and certainly if you haven't connected with us on, on LinkedIn or, or Twitter, uh, go ahead and do that. We accept all connections. Hallie Fazio, Sonar Executive at FreightWave. Shout out to her. She said, this will be good. Ashcan Simel, TMS on Salesforce for Freight Business. Said, great topic, Kevin. They partnered up with Salesforce to log all their communication channels in there using that CRM as their mother brain, which is maybe the one takeaway if you walk out of this 
podcast. Uh, definitely. You uh, have to have everything in a mother brain. Casey Pratter of Sunset Transportation said, uh, yes, great topic. Looking forward to it. Brandon Valk said, data is everything. CRMs need to be leveraged and not looked upon as admin work. Agree 100%. Michael Kimblent, PDQ America. He's also got a Trucking for Millennials podcast. He says, we see this in our office and our coaching others through this can be tough. Sometimes the jobs are stalled and then sometimes they end up going. We have been discussing questions to use when this happens. So he was talking a bit about our last episode and, and pushing the sale forward. Yes. Um, Steve Ferreira said there's no such thing as a stalled deal. He was also commenting on the last one. Mm -hmm. Shout out to him. He said the current crisis simply gives the seller a chance to restructure a solution to better optimize and create a higher barrier to entry for anyone else thinking of piling on later. Sherman Barnes the second said he couldn't agree more. Ernie Valdez, he says, uh, where can I find the Glengarry Group? Great. Thank you for teeing me up. Ernie Definitely. Valdez, you can in the article that we put out that's attached to every one of these. Also in the show notes for the podcast, you can find the, again, the Glengarry Definitely. Group And you know there. what? I will post that out on LinkedIn again. Yeah. I'll, I'll post that, that shared uh, worksheet out. And Cole Elkins, a millennial in logistics, he says, thanks for the shout-out and connection. Love y'all's podcast. and looking forward to tuning in again soon. Molly Pruitt, she's for West Rock Company. She said, thank y'all so much for your real-time information. I'm on the corrugated packaging side of life, and it's good to know where to focus my energy. And James Dean Anderson, it's a great show, to you. Great show today, guys. Chris Jolly says, Dooner, cannot figure out how to reply on the feed. Greatly appreciate your content and the message you and Hill are trying to deliver. Thank you all for tuning yes. in today. For, thank you yeah. for putting that coffee down. Yeah, for, for Kevin. Hill, I'm Tim Dooner, Dooner saying take care, wash your hands, be safe, and God bless.